0: Welcome friends, you are listening to Conversations with Consequences, the weekly radio show and podcast of the Catholic Association, where you get witty and charming conversation about the topics that matter to you with the leading thinkers of our time. I'm your hostess, Dr. Gracie Christie, and I am joined by my colleague at the Catholic Association, our legal eagle, Andrea picciotti Bear. Hello, Andrea.
1: Hey, Gracie. How are you doing?
0: Very well. Today we're broadcasting from Miami and D.C. We're, we're
1: bilocating by- here we're, at Conversations with Consequences, which I is I was going to be- say
0: coastal," but that is not the term. <laughs> <laughs> There's a term and I don't know it. If you're listening on the radio, you are listening at 11 a.m. on Fridays on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And if not, you're listening to our podcast wherever you get your podcast and for free. You can subscribe at the slash podcasts. And you can just find us uh, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, you name it, and we're there. Today we have a very special show because we have a friend with us, a good friend of ours. Uh, She's coming to the D.C. studio. We're lucky that she was in D.C. today. She's normally in New York City, although she's all over the place all the time. Mm -hmm. So I'm talking about our good friend, Catherine Jean Lopez. She's a senior fellow at the National Review Institute, where she directs the Center for Religion, culture, and civil society. She's also the editor uh, at large of National Review. Um, on, and let's see, she was on the editorial staff of uh, National Review Online since 1997. She's a nationally syndicated columnist, and she's written, she's been all over the place. She's been in the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, the, she's been in First Things, the Stars and Stripes. Oh, she wrote a great book called How to Defend the Faith Without Raising Your Voice and um, has contributed to several books. Today we're here. We asked her to talk to us today about a recent book that she wrote, but we're going to talk about that a little later. And now we're just going to talk to her about her work at National Review. Welcome, Catherine. Hi, Gracie.
2: Hi, Andrea. So good to be on the show.
0: Thank you for all the work
2: that you do in the world. Oh, please. Thank you. We're here to talk about your work. Well, well, you you all are just such bright lights, and I'm so glad to be here with you. Oh, well,
1: well, and, and great that you came for a second time. This is oh, I, we, that's we were right. bringing we were bringing back memories. The first time you joined us was in our very initial episodes of conversations with consequences, which Gracie lovingly calls our Titanic voyage, <laughs> our maiden <laughs> Titanic
2: voyage. <laughs> so thank I, you for, for I trusting was in Rome us again. And I think I had the wrong hour, and <laughs> we had it's, beautiful bells in the back. It was wonderful.
0: Well, thankfully there were no, ca- no casualties in our <laughs> Titanic maiden voyage. Thankfully, and we've improved very much. We're, we're learning to navigate around those icebergs. And you have and some st- wonderful guests and conversations.
1: Oh my gosh. So. Isn't that true? Yeah. No, and the yeah. hostess with the mostess is is what I think is <laughs> one of my favorite you know, parts of this. You know what we're
0: trying to do, and and. Catherine, you're you're the perfect person to do this with. We're trying to go a little deeper. We're trying to go a little deeper than people right. usually do, especially in radio shows. There's not a lot of time um, to to delve into a subject comfortably, in a way that 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 we can really get all those little the, the details that that really are the the most interesting thing.
1: You know, I was interested in um, using this first portion of of our conversation to talk about and answer the question. Who is Catherine Jean Lopez? <laughs> and and I think that there are so Please many. Please tell me. No, <laughs> <laughs> yes, there's one. I am a daughter She's of God. She's waiting to find out. I am a daughter of <laughs> right. God. No, but beyond being a beloved daughter of God, um, there's an incredible kind of experience that you are having in this world and sharing with the rest of the world, and and it starts at this great publication that you seem to be leading in a great, wonderful, beautiful direction, National Review, and I thought it could be great to talk a little bit about um, how you got started there, uh, the colleagues that you work with, the history that you've had there, and where you see your bringing and your colleagues are bringing our understanding of what's going on in the world today to um, people who are thirsty for more information and, and not just breaking news, but understanding where we are and where we can where we can go.
2: Well, um, I grew up reading National Review and seeing Bill Buckley on firing line. Um, Bill Buckley, of course, founded National Review in 1955. And um, I was watching Fire in Line even when I didn't quite understand what mm-hmm. Bill was talking about. Um, he was famous for words that you have to look up in the mm-hmm. dictionary. Um, <laughs> so it was, wasn't a rare thing for people to have a dictionary nearby. <laughs> it was before you could Google the, the definition. Um, <clears throat> but um, I always loved National Review. And so um, when I had the opportunity to, to start working there, there was an opening I was interning at the Heritage Foundation mm-hmm. and somebody told me about an opening at National Review. They needed somebody to answer the phones in the Washington office. And that was <laughs> yeah. um, with my my dear friend, Cato uh, um, Byrne, was, was the Washington editor the of friend. National Review, the late Cato Byrne. And, um, and, and uh, anyway, um, I uh, did wind up having just about every job there is at National Review over the years. And um, including editor of the website when websites were really first taking off. That was and
0: yeah, that was very early days for that website, National Review Online.
2: Yeah, as as um, as I recall, it was the um, the famous Bush v. Gore year wow. where it really took off. Yeah, you know, we had been using it, ma- making use of it, pro- probably. Uh, you know, there's there's an editorial section in the front with with little paragraphs, editorial paragraphs, of, of the print magazine, and uh, and the way that we put that together is there's a Monday editorial meeting and people propose topics we should write on, and then there are assignments um, handed out, and. Um, if you were the lowest kids on the totem hmm. pole kind of thing, usually you'd write your paragraph and it would not get used, and and so we we started posting them on the website. That's nice. the first. So oh. I was first published as you know on the reject slide on the website. <laughs> now it's the, the best. Well, right? the, well I mean, now you know now some uh, younger people say oh, wait, you have a print magazine? <laughs> yes, we have a print magazine. Please buy it. That's, you know, we need subscribers here. Um, uh, how many
0: people, Catherine, I'm sorry to interrupt, but how many people look at your website? What what kind of reach do you have? Well,
2: you know what? You, you, you've caught me on something, I have to say. Oh, I'm not actually sure. Um, because I, um, a, a number of years ago, retired from being editor of the mm-hmm. website, and I'll talk about that in in a second. And I am terrible at numbers, so that I took that <laughs> yeah, as we'll let reason. You to I don't have to pay attention to the numbers anymore. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> and, and we have a but, lot of people, trust me, that are reading the website. Um, but we
0: would. But but it's important to say that it is a very important website for conservative readers. For, I, for readers of any kind, yeah. I think people go to the National Review to to really find real news. No, and, and and well and regarded. real analysis and.
2: Well, and I, I do, um, you know, there was, there was a moment before everyone went totally insane politically where um, where uh, people would go to National Review Online to see what conservatives were thinking. Hmm. Um, and, but I, I'd like to think that's still the case. I, I know because people are so on edge and angry, and I shouldn't throw around words like insane, But but I'm obviously <laughs> speaking of the... The angst and, Political and, and anger and and yeah. um, despair even uh, people are feeling about about politics and and um, you know yeah yeah anger at the other side and 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 all these things but I um, so, so sometimes people will will come up to, uh, to to me and say why you know will National Review n- n- give not give Donald Trump any credit but. We have Victor Davis Hanson, who wrote mm. just wrote the case that's for right. Trump, you know. I, you know, I was just going to say
0: that. We yes, have David, all Richard kinds of writing.
2: Hansen. David French was going to, considering primarying Donald Trump. Yes. So we have two mm-hmm. distinct voices who are both conservatives. And I think that's one of yeah. the, the great things that National Review has always been. You know, you have people who agree on some basic fundamentals about life, mm-hmm. but then have a well, the robust debate, mm-hmm. you know. Um, And Bill, when we talk, uh, I talk about fundamentals, you know, I mean, Bill was a Catholic and um, uh, that's um, and it was something that that was the worldview with which he he wrote and spoke and lived. And I remember when he um, when he died uh, 11 years ago, I was editor of the the website at the time. So I I made the first announcement Mm -hmm. on the corner, our blog about his death And so people started sending me their testimonies, Mm. and I had um, I had a couple of priests write me who said that he influenced their vocations because he talked about the faith regularly, and it was a part of who he was. And he would have he had Mother Teresa on firing (laughs) line one time. He would (laughs) always have um, Malcolm Muggeridge, the English journalist, who was a, a convert, to talk about faith. Um, he, uh, just regularly had guests, um, talking, talking about, um, uh, religion and, um, for, for him, you know, it was so much, including the United States, just pointed back mm-hmm. to Bethlehem and, and he would, he would say that in speeches. Yeah. And so, um, what do you mean by that, Catherine? That that we are we are created by a, a God who had the humility to to come here, you know, and mm-hmm. be be among us and share in our sufferings and and redeem us. And um, we'll talk more about this, I think, um, later on. But part of the reason that I could get away with writing, a, a spending time writing a book, putting a book together um, on on mystics, is because in his book on faith, nearer my God. Bill Buckley talked about mysticism and an Italian mystic who's not necessarily church approved, and one of the, the his priest friends sort of cringed when he included her Maria Valtorta. Oh, yeah. um, but but um, but what he said is when he read her writings. Mm-hmm he he understood the passion differently he yeah. understood the crucifixion differently it become came more a part of his life and so he was grateful for her and he wa- he shared her in the book because because if she helped him maybe she'd she help somebody him, yeah. else and um and so when when i went to compile the book i, I Actually, Archbishop Gomez from Los Angeles, um, a number of years ago, that we were we were both speakers at a conference on Dorothy Day, hmm. and he had a line um, that I love. That's uh, that he said, uh, "I don't know if Dorothy is, Day is a saint, but I know she makes me want to be one." Mm-hmm. And oh, I, what a good line! Well, and with Bill Buckley, once once he died, I have, of course had read so much of what he had. Written at various times, and and as I said, watched firing line and things, but when he died, at some point I was asked within a year to um, be a part of a conference, and I was supposed to talk about him as a Catholic journalist. And so I had in my mind I was going to read everything Bill Buckley <laughs> ever wrote about the Catholic Church, and I'm still discovering things. Or still, still have a pile <laughs> to read. Do you-
0: Do you see do you see your position at National Review, Catherine, as as
2: continuing that legacy? Yeah. Well, and uh, yes, um, I, I hope so. And in particular, um, when I when I did move on from, from being editor of the website and paying attention, my life used to be paying attention to the news twenty four mm. seven and trying to Exhausting. keep ahead of it, and um, and think, live tweeting. Yes, yeah, right, <laughs> yeah, no, and and now every once in a while, you know, I I realized a couple of weeks ago there was one of the Democratic debates, and I had scheduled a dinner. Great. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> that what I said. <laughs> I don't have to watch it, that's, and and we have a whole bunch of people back yeah. at the office watching it and commenting and on it, and I, I can I can read the highlights later. Um, it's is so with um, we have a nonprofit. Um, as well, think tank, the National Review Institute, in addition to the magazine, and Bill founded that too, and it's had various iterations of, during its lifespan. But right now, it, um, it, uh, it it is part of the future of what the magazine business looks like is is having having mm-hmm. a robust um, nonprofit support where you're doing. Uh, Panel discussions yeah. and dinners and convenings. That's well, awesome. There are cruises too. <laughs> there are cruises too. Well, um, Catherine,
0: one of the things you do in the institute is the you, you've done a lot of work on adoption and foster care, and I know because because both you've Andrea been my speaker, I, yeah. <laughs> and, but both and Andrea and I have participated. To. Yeah, and and those have been really fabulous. I've really admired the way that you've taken the the institute, the National Review Institute, has taken this uh, you know a real. Um, An initiative. It's a really fabulous initiative to Mm -hmm. connect the dots between the needs of children and the solution, which is adoption and foster care.
2: Well, so at the National Review Institute, I'm director of the Center for Religion, um, Culture and Civil Society. And part of what I do there is these sort of convenings Mm -hmm. and briefings. We did a briefing for our organization. Um, Both of you were a part of um, fairly recently. And one of the reasons, and and also part of what what I do is is emphasize the, the some some of the um faith tradition that mm-hmm. has always been a part of of national review because because of Bill. And I think that's really important right now mm-hmm. as as people are feeling so so anxious and are frankly, addicted to politics. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I used to, um, like I said, I used to pay attention to the news 24-7, but when I was a child, I was, like, watching C-SPAN. And, okay. and you know, no. I, was, I was a total dork, total dork. <laughs> was. And, and like... I used to wish – no, I'm still a dork, but in different ways. <laughs> but I used to wish, like, why aren't more people paying attention yeah. to this, right? This is so important. And yes, 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 it's important. But now the entire nation is addicted to this reality TV show that we're watching. And people are angry and they can't stop talking. The number of times people have a conversation with, can you believe Donald Trump had lunch with X? Or these are things that... Yeah, stop. Stop. <laughs> stop. Get a hobby. I mean, And
0: despair, th- right? There's despair. There there's is, anger. There there's is. frustration. And there's it's too much
2: passion. It's important to be informed. I'm not – obviously, and I want people to read National Review, and I hope we'll give you a good, good sense of what's going on in analysis. You but know? what I
1: like, Catherine, about um, the National Review, and especially um, online, is that it isn't jarring – Breaking news, mm-hmm. right? Some of the other news outlets, everything is breaking. So everything needs to consume your attention completely mm-hmm. right now. Instead, it offers a chance for a little bit more um, leisurely analysis. And of we do you have a
2: breaking news section. And I actually, you mentioned our creases, I actually talked to a couple who. Said that they get all their breaking news from National Review, and I—that I, was an encouragement to the kids in the office who do the <laughs> breaking news part. But but yeah, it's we not also like the more... world
1: is consumed by whatever we think right. is important right now in this moment. It's it's a chance to kind of uh, step back and and like everyone used to take the Sunday newspaper, right? And and sit back and think about what had happened in the week uh, previous or what was going to be happening in the in the week coming. What I also think I really appreciate in talking about the, the founding of National Review is although its founder was 100% all-in Catholic, it's not a Catholic right, publication. Right, right. It's a publication that's uh, that I'm sure your colleagues are— Of all kinds. Yeah. yeah. And, and you're bringing—you personally are bringing the leaven of faith into your work. and And in many ways— Uh, ways that I very much appreciate. You bring the teachings of the church and the life of a faithful Catholic in a very comfortable way.
2: Well, one thing um, that is really neat about NR is there actually are a number of Catholics who are writing about other things, but I I think are, are attracted to National Review because they know that That uh, Mm -hmm. you know, this is this is a place where their views will be welcome, and and it's not it's uh, that filter. (laughs) It's not hostile, and that that filter that I was talking about, the lens with which Bill viewed the world, Mm -hmm. it's. Not not unanimously shared, but there's a a recognition yeah. of its value at least, you know, and a gratitude. Um, Bill, Buckley, that's another thing that Bill Buckley was all about, and and we have a regional fellows program at the National Review mm-hmm. Institute in in various cities, including D.C. and New York and Philadelphia, Chicago, San Francisco, Dallas. I think I have them all now. Chicago, it's our first year there. Um, This year, but so it's for young professionals basically to learn about conservative principles Mm and and um, and 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 hopefully then be have have more educated conversations with people about politics, you know, the pebble in the pond. Right. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Exactly. And I get to – I, every year, do the last session. People come in and, and, and talk to them, and they have a conversation around dinner. And I talk to them about gratitude, which, mm. which is always really great. And, and often, actually, for some of the cities, it happens right before Thanksgiving. It's wow. literally the perfect week before timing. Thanksgiving. It's perfect. <laughs> but um, but also, I actually appreciate when it's not Thanksgiving time because people should give thanks all the time. Um, but Bill was so much about gratitude. Mm. Um, in fact, he wrote a book about gratitude where he actually had a very provocative um, uh, proposal that everybody uh, have to do mandatory public service hmm. because he felt it was so important for people to, to, give back. to give back and appreciate the gifts that they've been given and be good stewards. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, And that, that's one of the main questions I think we're facing today, when we're talking not just about politics, but <laughs> maybe just about everything, like, are we being a good steward of the, these gifts? Mm-hmm. You know, I loved your, well, the Catholic Association's amicus brief, right? Um, but, but in that Catholic school case um, in, in Montana, because Catholic schools are something we need. And mm-hmm. I look, I know they're not all perfect. And, um, but some of the testimonies, Andrea, that you had, um, you know, spoke to the best of Catholic education. It, can save people's lives, mm-hmm. can bring people back to the church. It can save a marriage, yeah. you know. Oh, gosh, that is such, uh, some of those stories. But that's about stewardship, right? Yeah. We're the ones here right now. Are there going to be Catholic schools when we leave or not? Mm-hmm. You know? Well, and what are they yeah, going so like to look like? Are they right. going to still
1: have that same missionary right. zeal? Right, in right. Not, not only to, to impart the faith, but also to make the communities mm-hmm. in the neighborhoods where they're working and operating better.
2: Right. That's why I love some of the programs that have been popping up um, recently, like the Alliance for Catholic Education at the University of Notre Dame, where they literally train these kids to be missionaries and and go out and be teachers in in, um, inner city and and rural schools and and schools that really need the help and places where kids really and families really need Catholic schools to have that missionary feel. Catherine, how
0: do you decide what you're going to be writing about next? What, what, what motivates you? How do you do you have like a list of uh, priorities that you want to attack or how does that work?
2: Um, it's a mix of a lot of things. you know I usually have a list of things that I want to write about and but I also have deadlines, regular hmm. deadlines and so, <laughs> Damn, so those deadlines Yeah well I mean they're, they're a blessing in as much as you may are, you may are. never get anything written if you yeah. didn't have the deadline. Um, But sometimes, because as you were mentioning earlier, I'm traveling a lot, and uh, you know, which is a a combination of speaking and some of these convenings we were talking about, and and reporting trips, and and um, and uh, so sometimes. I look around at my computer and what's the most recent interview I did yeah. and how can I weave that into the news, <laughs> you know? Well, the other it's, thing so that I've seen
1: in, in your recent writing, and I'm sure it's been for a long time in your career, as you're traveling all over and meeting tons of people, there are moments in which there's inspiration, either someone that you meet or some kind of interaction that you've had or something that happens and that's kind of... Um, it's very helpful because it, it is a good reminder to all of us. Open your eyes.
2: Yeah, you yeah.
1: never know um, the lesson that's being given to you in while you're waiting in an airport, or while you're chit chatting, or observing somebody who's phenomenal and exceptional in their own life and marveling at their fortitude or their their wisdom. And, and it's, it's the
0: facility. It's the facility with which you put that into your that those inspirations into your writing, and the way that people can then receive that inspiration themselves that makes Catherine Jean Lopez's work so special. So with that, we have to take a little break, we'll be right back and we'll continue talking on Conversations with Consequences with Catherine Jean Lopez of National Review. Welcome back, friends. I am your hostess, Dr. Gracie Christie of the Catholic Association, and this is your radio show and podcast of the Catholic Association. We are in double studio today. I'm in Miami, and I'm joined in D.C. by my uh, colleague and friend at the Catholic Association, Andrea Picciotti-Bayer. Hello, Andrea.
1: Hey, Gracie. As I said before, I think we're bi-locating, which is a perfect way to do this conversation about this book.
0: Fine, but I think that's the wrong word. I don't think that that means what you think it means. <laughs> no, I think the conversations
1: with consequences is bilocating. It's in Miami and in Washington.
0: Okay, I'm going to go with that. Right, go we're with bilocating
1: because I'm not bilocating. You're there and I'm here. Catherine's and we're very fortunate.
0: We're very fortunate because Catherine Jean Lopez of National Review happened to be in D.C. doing something important. She's always traveling doing important things, and she lent us a little bit of her time. She came into the D.C. studio, and we're very happy to have our friend. Catherine Jean Lopez, hello, Catherine.
2: Hello, I actually have been praying to be able to buy locate for a long time. I have been too. <laughs> because I figure I no, wouldn't have I, to be on planes as much.
1: I think you actually do bi-locate.
2: <laughs> I really do
1: Well, why stop there, Catherine?
0: Although, try to try locate. Try
2: locate. <laughs> <laughs> there actually, there was, um, this is a long story that I won't get into, but I didn't go to Bill Buckley's memorial service because I was already scheduled to go to Rome with our friend Anne Corkery no. for the first time. I, I had never been to Rome before. Wow. And Kate O'Byrne convinced me that Bill Buckley would want me to go to Rome. Yeah. But, but the reason I bring it up is that um, I did go to Rome and, um, and I'm so glad I did. And, uh, but a couple of weeks later, someone came up to me and said, I'm so sorry. I saw you from across the room at Bill's (laughs) memorial at St. Patrick's Cathedral, but we didn't get to talk. And I thought, hmm, I was there. But no, I was. I wasn't there. Well, you were. He confused me with some other brunette. I think I've
0: seen pictures of you on that trip.
2: (laughs) You may have. You may have. I think I have. Yeah, because were you with Father Landry? We were with Father Landry. That was when I first met Father Landry. In fact. And um, my goodness, for him to show you Rome for the first time is just such a blessing. And um, and uh, yeah, and and Kate O'Byrne, our our late friend Kate O'Byrne was there. And so when Kate died, I shared a lot of photos from that trip. So that's where you would see it.
0: Yes, that looked like a wonderful time. Yeah, it was a A fabulous time. A life changing time. time. It
2: was it was totally life changing. I
0: don't know if you know Catherine, but Father Landry, every time we have our weekly show, he gives us a short homily. Uh, to preview the next Sunday's Gospel, and
1: we're so fortunate because he's a homiletic. um, He's out of control (laughs) (laughs) with his homilies. Yeah, I was thinking going to Rome must have been exhausting because he probably showed you everything. He knows everything.
2: Well, and, and actually the thing about that, too, is that I think some of the women who were with me Wanted to shut me down a couple of times because they were very patient with me. I was very enthusiastic, you and I wanted to see everything. Across. I can just imagine. I, up for I wanted the first all time. of Father Landry's footnotes. Yeah. You know, oh no, tell us more, Father. You <laughs> were probably recording him, Catherine, <laughs> as he was speaking. You had your little recorder out. <laughs> you know, actually, I think I was so immersed in prayer and wonder, and mm. I, I wasn't doing that that time. Um, but gosh, it was, uh, yeah, he is, he is such a gift. I actually was at his 10,000th mass. I don't know if you've talked about on the, on the air, but first of all, I thought it was so incredible that he knew that he had celebrated 10,000 masses, but I, I happened to know I was in the same town, so I emailed him the night before and. Crashed the Sisters of Life convent that day. Always good to crash their convent. I, it, yes, yes, we sh- we share that that fundamental belief.
0: Catherine, maybe that trip to Rome led eventually to this mm-hmm. book I'm holding in my hand,
2: which we want well, to talk yeah, to you about. Yeah, yeah, because as as I mentioned before, it, I mean, it's partially because of Bill Buckley that that I ever got into a position where where I would do that. And, um, and I, I really actually prayed a lot, I remember, because I, I was I was sort of um, sad, I not sort of, I was sad that I wasn't at his memorial um, because he was somebody I knew and loved and learned from and, and had really gotten to know actually after his wife died because mm-hmm. I, I just, while, while I think other people still wanted, you know, the brilliant Bill Buckley to download all this information for them, I just, I saw a broken hearted man, yeah. you know, mm. and um, so I think he appreciated I just let him talk about whatever he wanted to, mm. and I sort of tried to encourage him and, and things like that. And so I I uh, really had actually like a grandfather kind of mm. relationship towards the end with for him. him. Yeah, yeah. But, but so when I was in Rome, I really prayerfully, really, at night would read through um, Near My God. I had reread it, that trip. And um, yeah, so, so I have no doubt that that Rome experience um, played a role in this book that, that now exists, A so Year with the Mystics.
0: Well, let me tell our listeners about this book. It's called A Year with the Mystics, Visionary Wisdom for Daily Living. And um, it's a beautiful book. Uh, Catherine just informed me that it's imitation leather, because <laughs> I was sure. I was sure it it's was a real really leather. Good imitation.
1: It's a <laughs> it's one of those bound, books. Beautifully It's the
0: kind of thing. It's the kind of book you, you pass on to your. Uh, okay, so that maybe this is going to sound strange. I have a couple of books that my grandmother gave me. One of them is a missal of her daughter who died young, uh, a Latin missile. Uh, and they're they're beautifully these old books are beautifully bound and and they're not books you drop off at the when you're tired of them you drop them off at the library carousel where I that's what I do with my old books I put them in the library the return thing I'm sure that's wrong but <laughs> I figure somebody can use them there I but don't think that's is,
2: like a sin you need to confess no, so. no? okay <laughs> no <a laughs> I think mean, just can, sharing a good book can be shared especially with.
1: With a greater I'm reading being scrupulous,
0: community. <laughs> but this is the kind of book that once you get your hands on it, you can never. Maybe you leave it to somebody, or you 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 give it as a gift when, when you go on, when you go on ahead to your reward. But it's a it's a heavy it's a three hundred something page book. It it looks like leather. It's it's got that supple binding. The, the the edges of the book are gold leaf or gold. Yeah, they look like gold leaf, and it has one of those nice placeholders, and and that's just to talk about the outside of the book. It's a very satisfying <laughs> book from the outside and to hold in your hands. But the inside is even more satisfying.
1: Catherine, when you first got into studio, you you were surprised because I have a big three-ring binder with a PDF printout of the book, and I've written all over it. And the reason was because when I knew that we were going to have a chance to look at the book, read it, and then speak with you, I said to Gracie, I can't wait to start writing all over it. Because and that's I said, not, and, she, <laughs> and she said, this is not the kind of book you write on Andrea. <laughs> and because I can't um, stop myself from writing and post-it notes and highlights and scribbling on the sides. I, and I see that you've actually done that. So with uh, my own book, with her yes. own book, it's all, it's a disaster. It's a disaster, it's of a disaster.
0: <laughs> but um, it, I'm not going to be reading mine in the shower. That's what I normally do to my books. <laughs>
2: Oh, goodness. So <laughs> I won't even ask the doctor about the physics of that. But, <laughs>
1: but the, great, the great thing about this book, and I, I'd like you to share with us how it came about, um, and then we can talk a little bit about how it's already affected
2: us.
0: But, you know, maybe first, Catherine, explain to our listeners what the book, what, how it works, how the book works, because the book works.
2: Okay. Well, so it's called A Year with the Mystics. And um, and it's actually – so for a number of years, St. Benedict's Press, the publisher, has been publishing a series that's mm-hmm. one-a-day meditations, basically. And so they have A Year with the Church Fathers and A Year with the Saints and A Year with Mary and A Year with the Eucharist. And I had um, interviewed um, an author or two of the series. And Paul Figpin is, I think, did The Saints and Mary and maybe one other one. And um, he also was an editor at the time at St Benedict's Press, and I said, "You guys really need um, a year year with." I, I actually, I think, I proposed the women mystics at the time, and um, and they said, "Yeah, yeah, no, I, I think the year with the, uh, a year with the mystics, uh, um, men and women, and um, you should do it." And I'm like, OK, well, be careful. <laughs> Step too far. be careful what you ask for. Yeah, I'm thinking, well, that would be a beautiful thing to do, but I don't think I have time to do that. And I, um, uh, how do you immerse yourself in the mystics while you're doing all your regular jobs and deadlines and things? And but, <laughs> I, I I joke that I selfishly said yes, um, on one level because um, mm-hmm. we we we're all friends here and and we joke about the size of my purse. Yeah. <laughs> and around that time, <laughs> I was carrying around like there's this great series from Saint um, the, from Paulist Press where that's um, called the Classics of Western Civilization hmm. sp- uh, Western sp- Spirituality. I'm sorry classics of western spirituality and they're these big volumes so i uh, you know on a on a given day i'd say oh you know i might have time while i'm commuting or For uh, volume 10 yeah so let me seven. grab Bridget of <laughs> sweden and catherine of sienna oh wait and i could read a letter or two from saint francis to <laughs> sales and to jane de chantel and, and your and purse does not have wheels on it yeah i've, I've seen, really seen your
0: bag catherine yes it's and, a It's a bag of wonders. (laughs) It is. Book wonders.
2: But now it has fewer of those big volumes because I've put them all in the one volume. So, I I mean, to be honest with you, I didn't didn't really open the book until a couple of days before it came out because I was afraid of finding typos. Oh, no. Which I haven't found mercifully yet, but I'm sure I will, and it'll be good for my humility. But um, (laughs) nobody's reported one yet. Um, But when I started to open it, I, you know— had this deep gratitude Hmm. for the the fact that uh, that I'm getting to share these meditations Mm -hmm. that have had such a deep impact on me. And when I when I started opening it and and reading through them again, I thought, oh, that's why I shared it. And then I found myself praying with them all over again. Mm -hmm. And, you know, at different points, when you read these things, you'll Different things will occur to you, and God will use them in different ways. So so it's not like the, the kind of thing. So it is um, a, a year with, and, you know, there's day one, day two, they're, they're marked. Um, but as I say early in the book, use it however you feel called to. You mm-hmm. know, if it's just a book you have on your nightstand, and and you um, make it a point to every night, open it up, and, and see what page <laughs> you open to, and pray with that, it's— um, I, I think it'll be helpful, especially if you're looking for some peace and some spiritual nourishment. And and also, you know, at this time of scandal in the church, I think this is particularly helpful and mm-hmm. maybe maybe a gift to us all. And I say that, again, as somebody who sort of stumbled into doing this, I, it's a gift to me that, that I can have this volume and, and, and read through it. All these beautiful men and women who were – present at different parts of, of of the history of the church, many of them not pretty times of, of mm-hmm. the church, um, mm, okay. who had this deep love of Jesus and really started, because they gave God time, they started to get to know each person of the Trinity. They really got to know Mary. And we we have these people as inter- intercessors, you know, um, and that cloud of witnesses idea at a time where we have this epidemic of loneliness, this epidemic of suicide. Mm-hmm. Um, to know that we're not alone, whatever your circumstances are, um, you've got all these intercessors in heaven who lived, you know, lived in this world. They struggled. They they had all the same doubts and. And fears, and in and, um, and uh, to know, to know that to read, I I think it's a great comfort, <laughs> and um, it helps with confidence mm-hmm. to read how God works similarly with a lot of these people. You know, um, you can trust so many of of these fruits of prayer because you see the familiar God in mm-hmm. him, you know, um, and I I should mention too, there are a couple of people um, who are. Um, who are alive still in here, including a a priest from New York, uh, Father Donald Haggerty, who writes beautifully about the spiritual life. He has a book, a couple of books from Ignatius Press. Um, I believe I included something from his latest book, Conversion, which um, which I think is just a, a, a a particularly important word and concept um i think we do ourselves a disservice because we often think of conversion hmm. as you know falling off of us. exactly that's exactly <laughs> what we're i was going to we're entering into a whole new religion exactly and then and then it's over yeah you know we Our it's one fiat, it's one Our yes exactly but it, it no, is it's a daily <laughs> every hour <laughs> of every day Hourly. yeah <laughs> right um yeah Always, always, always calling upon the Holy Spirit and asking for guidance in everything we do, including, you know, we we were joking before the show um, about – or sharing, um, actually in some amazement about conversations that you can have with Uber drivers sometimes. Mm -hmm. It's just amazing how hungry people are, especially sometimes, you know, I'll be – getting into an uber to go to a mass somewhere and so i'm going to a church or mm-hmm. i was staying with the little sisters of the poor the other day so an uber driver asked can i ask you a question why is this place called the little sisters of the poor what is that exactly yeah. and, and so he was fascinated it's when i it's everything's not, an invitation e- everything's an invitation there is and a lot of hunger there is so much hunger and if we're spending time with god ourselves we can share mm-hmm. him you know if we're getting to know him Deeper, better, constantly. Um, we can help people um, to. I mean, even the other day in New York, some Uber driver asked me, and we weren't even talking about anything. I was just smiling at him and asking him how his day was, and he said, "Where are you from?" <laughs> And and I said, Here? <laughs> Grew up in Manhattan? And he said, There's no way that's possible. You have to be from the Midwestern. Darn Something. right. People too from New York yeah, are not nice. You seem like a decent person. <laughs> no, there's tons of <laughs> decent people. You can have people. decent people in Manhattan. Tons of decent people in Father New York. Father Roger Landry yes, lives in Manhattan. Tons of the decent. sisters of life, New York's finest <laughs> are in New York. But there's Catherine, so many beautiful I people. Share.
0: I want to share with our listeners what how the book is arranged because it's really it's really beautifully arranged. So it's it's a hundred two hundred I'm sorry two hundred and sixty five day three hundred and sixty five days the days of the year, and I've been using it. I've been taking it to my prayer. So um, it has uh, a, a, so for instance day one hundred fifty six the title is Helpless Without God, and it has a quote from Saint Pio, and one of the great mystics. Right? One of the great mystics. So it has a quote. So for instance it says. You must not be disheartened or sink into sadness if your actions do not attain the perfection you intended. What do you expect? We are all fragile. We are earth, and not every plot of land produces the fruit intended by the farmer. Let us always humble ourselves after our failures, recognizing that we are completely helpless without divine assistance. That's just a small quote from from what is basically a paragraph, no, of uh, Padre Pio. And then, so then it says, "In God's presence, consider." And you have a little sentence. Could this letter of spiritual direction be written for me today? And that's supposed to touch off, and it does. It works perfectly. It touches off an, a mm-hmm. half an hour of reflection, or fifteen minutes of reflection, of prayer, of of, of communing. Um, maybe maybe we're in church. Maybe we're in front of the Blessed Sacrament, and and we're able to, um, you know, bring bring that beautiful reflection of Padre Pio to this. And then there's a closing prayer. Keep me from descending into sadness. Keep me in your joy, no matter the cross or loss or cost. So I've been doing this now for about ten days. I think is when I got the book and I opened it on Twitter. I tried to do one of those unwrappings with a little video. <laughs> I loved video, that. It was which very was cool. fun. It wasn't very professional looking, but it was fun. And I've been using it, and it's really informed my prayer
1: life. It's been wonderful. Really lit up lights in my in my heart. Well, Catherine, I want to share too um, my experience with the binder. <laughs> Because I've kept the unwrapped. <laughs> Which is beautiful in its own way. It is. It is. You know, and part of it is um, my prayer life as the mother of many often is focused on uh, each of my little beautiful treasures. And I took your book and I thought, what day of the year is each one of my kids' birthdays? And then I fold, you know, passed the pages until I got to, you know, the first birthdays. And prayed for that child using that prayer, and it was incredible. Oh, wow. It was really incredible um, because the, the challenges that I know that they're facing or the aspirations that I have for them or the hopes and dreams that they have for themselves were in that page.
2: Oh, my goodness.
1: And um, and I think the, the book, and you've said this before, the book really can be read in – Whatever way the Holy Spirit is guiding Mm -hmm. its reader to read it, it can be, you know, the first day of the year, and you should gift it to people for Christmas, or it can be wherever the Spirit is guiding you. And and one good lesson that I think we've learned from the mystics is when you completely empty yourself, then you can have that conversation, I guess, or, or God can speak to you. And um, obviously, I'm not completely empty myself enough. I still have so many um, things in the way. But it was a great tool, I think, for really growing deeper in this prayer that all of us are called, this union that all of us are called, uh, in whatever station in life we have with God. So I am Cat- super thankful.
0: Catherine. sometimes when people see the word mystic on the cover of a book. They get they get over they get overawed. It's a little it's a they say well I, I'm not even going to understand. Why should people approach this book knowing that that it that it works for them for anybody?
2: Well, part of what I pray happens with this book is it demystifies mysticism <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> a number of years ago, um, a friend of mine, Gary Jansen, wrote a book on a little book for for Lyola Press, I believe, on. Um, the Stations and the Cross, using um, Ignatian spirituality, and anyway, Jennifer Full-Watler, um, another author who's a friend of both of us, wrote the introduction for the book. And she said, the first time she met Gary Jansen, she realized she was in the presence of a mystic. Hmm. And so you can almost hear the music, Ooh, you know. <laughs> and um, and in fact, I gave the book as a present to, to someone who said, "You you have a friend who's a mystic," <laughs> and. The Catechism actually talks about how we're all called oh, to this, mm-hmm. yeah. um, because mysticism is is simply union with God. Um, you know that's the goal of our lives, mm-hmm. um, to 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 get to heaven and, and be in complete union with God. God, and in our prayer, we're invited to to keep going deeper. Um, and so I, I so love what you were saying, Andrea, about about making it. Part of of your family experience mm-hmm. and bringing your family family into it because I was I was in particular thinking of of mothers with small children who mm-hmm. are are running around and and don't know when they can find yeah. a quiet moment and um, often it's only in the shower you know if if you can actually take a shower laminate <laughs> laminate this book <laughs> laminate this book and and so my hope was that for people who are feeling Anxious, so desirous of a little more quiet, a little more prayer time, a little more he, being able to hear what, what God is asking mm-hmm. of them um, and getting his guidance. I hope this is a step-by-step, day-by-day way to do it
3: well,
2: in the heart of the church with all these beautiful people.
0: Well, it's, abs- it's absolutely going to work for all of our listeners. Catherine, um, where can people find your book?
2: So it's available on Amazon.com and at uh, the St. Benedict's Press uh, book site, TAN Books.
0: Well, thank you so much, Catherine. It's been a delightful it was, conversation. You. It we thank love you. your this book. was so much fun. We love, we you. love God you. God your bless book. you, Paul. We're, and you're going to make mystics of all of us. Yes. Thank you so much for joining us on Conversations with Consequences. Every morning, the Catholic Association reviews all the latest news and sends our subscribers a carefully curated collection of the most important news of the day. Items are specifically selected for a smart Catholic audience like you. Don't let the world take you by surprise. Subscribe to our daily media roundup at thecatholicassociation.org. And this week, as is customary, Father Roger Landry will give us a short but brilliant homily on this coming Sunday's Gospel. Please stay tuned for Father Landry and do look up his daily homily, written in audio, on his website, CatholicPreaching.com.
3: This is Father Roger Landry, and it's a joy to have a chance to ponder with you the consequential conversation Jesus wants to have with us this Sunday. It's an unforgettable Gospel. Jesus tells us the story of a poor man named Lazarus at the gate of a rich man who sumptuously fed on three meals a day, but did nothing to feed Lazarus, who was starving at his gates. Then Jesus says that Lazarus went to the bosom of Abraham, an image of heaven, and the rich man to hell. Who among us is not moved when we envision Lazarus covered with sores, being licked and molested by dogs, longing to eat just the crumbs from the rich man's table. Who among us is not moved by the desperation of the rich man after he dies, dying of torment, thirst, worried about his brothers. What moves us all the more is not simply the state each is in, but the fact that each was avoidable. The rich man went to hell not because he had earned his money in an immoral way, not because he had been asked by Lazarus for help and refused, not because he had sent dogs to lick Lazarus' wounds, or had done anything evil to him at all. He went to hell because he simply ignored Lazarus at his gate. He was condemned not because of anything he had done, but precisely because of what he hadn't. He was so caught up in himself that he didn't make any effort at all to help out a man who was struggling and dying in his midst. So many Catholics are accustomed to thinking about how God wants them to change simply in terms of bad behavior they know he wants them to cut out. We think about sin in terms of commissions, the evil thoughts we have, the wicked, malicious, or mendacious words we say, the evil deeds we commit. But as we note at the Confession of Sins at the beginning of Mass, these are not all the sins we commit. We say to almighty God and to each other that we have sinned in our thoughts and our words and what we have done and what we have failed to do. We don't often focus enough on what we have failed to do. It's not enough, not for us to do evil, but we also have to do good to seek, to sacrifice ourselves for those who are needy, to look for out at them, to identify their needs and to see what we can do to remedy them. When we look at Jesus story, we see something about the rich man who went to hell. Even when he was in hell, he thought that he should be served by others. He asked Abraham to send Lazarus to dip his finger in water to cool his tongue, and then to have him go to his family to warn them not to make the same mistakes he had made. He thought that if even someone from the dead went to his family members, they would believe. But Abraham in the parable for Jesus said that if they don't listen to Moses and the prophets, if they, don't, if they don't listen to the Old Testament, for example, they won't listen even if someone should return to them from the dead. That's a very powerful thing for us. We actually have had someone return from the dead as an exclamation point on the truth of everything being said today's gospel. Jesus is that risen one who speaks to us about the importance of taking seriously the people who are in need in our midst, and not just not doing something to them when they ask us, but going out of ourselves precisely in order to be able to care. For example, most of us have three squares a day, but there are many who don't. How seriously do we take that? Many of us have homes. Others don't. Does that cause us to lose sleep? Most of us have had solid educations. Most don't have adequate access. Many don't have adequate access to education. Do we want to do something about that? Most of us have health care, some don't. Most of us have family members and friends who love and care for us. Others don't have anyone. What are we prepared to do? Jesus had said that when he comes to judge us, he'll say to those on his left, depart from me, you are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angel. Because I was hungry and he gave me no food, thirsty, he gave me no drink, Naked he gave me no clothes, stranger and he gave me no welcome, ill and imprisoned and he didn't care for me. The condemned will ask, Lord, when did we see you hungry, thirsty, naked, ill, a stranger or imprisoned and not minister to your needs? Jesus said he will reply, As often as you fail to do this to one of the least of my brothers and sisters, you failed to do it to me. Today Jesus is preparing us for a consequential conversation in which hearing his words, he wants us to respond, learning the lesson of the rich man and going out to care for him in the distressing disguise of all the Lazaruses in our midst. God bless you.
0: Thank you so much, Father Landry. It's time to say goodbye. And this is Conversations with Consequences, the podcast and radio show of the Catholic Association. I'm your hostess, Dr. Gracie Christie. Today, I was joined by my legal eagle friend at the Catholic Association, Andrea picciotti Bayer, and we had the delight of having Catherine Jean Lopez of National Review with us telling us about her book, A Year with the Mystics.
1: Catherine joins us as yet another repeat offender on Conversations with Consequences. (laughs) And I can't uh, recommend more her beautiful book. It's not only pleasing to look at, but it's pleasing to um, contemplate, contemplate the words of these beautiful mystics and to steal away that little bit of time. It's not a lot. Um, and, and I found it even more enjoyable when done before the Blessed sacrament. But if you don't have that time, you know, just find a quiet place where you can contemplate these words of uh, people who came before us, Catholics who came before us, and were clearly in a beautiful union with God.
0: We're going to have a link on our podcast page to where you can buy her book. You know, you can also follow Catherine on Twitter, at Catherine Lopez is her Twitter handle. She has she's beautiful- everywhere. Yeah, but she has these lovely <laughs> tweets that are always, yeah. they always fill you with peace and, and joy to well, see the and, tweets. And sometimes yeah. you really need that on Twitter.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> Especially
0: Catholic Twitter. Well, it's time to say goodbye. And you've been listening. If you've been listening on the radio, thank you for listening to Conversations with Consequences on the Guadalupe Radio Network, 11 a.m. on Fridays. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast of our show wherever you get your podcasts. You can go to the thecatholicassociation.org, to subscribe for free, and also to sign up for our TCA Clips daily email. Tell your friends about us, and we'll see you next week.